0: Welcome to HBO's Real Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. For those who may not know, Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel has been on HBO for quite a while now, almost three decades, as a matter of fact. And over those years, we've taken our viewers across the globe to tell stories about sports, but really more so about people and about issues at the intersection of sport and everything else, like politics and culture. Well, now, after all these years, our show has a podcast. And as for me, I'm part of the team behind the camera that finds, reports, and films those stories you see each month. And I'm now very excited to be your tour guide of sorts for this biweekly podcast, where we'll bring you extended conversations with correspondents and producers, as well as athletes, coaches, and experts. We'll dive deeper into some news stories and also go back in time into the Real Sports vault to hear old, memorable interviews or revisit issues that we've covered that are now back in the news. On the latest episode of Real Sports, which you can now watch on HBO Max, we tackled a few different stories. Correspondent David Scott examined Nike's Oregon Project, an elite track and field team that was hell-bent on winning But that win at all costs mentality came at the alleged expense of athlete health. And John Frankel told an inspiring story of a high school football team in Minneapolis that became a perennial powerhouse, but was also led by a group of Minneapolis cops who used the team to bridge communities and build trust with the next generation in the wake of George Floyd's murder. But the story you're going to hear on this episode is Mary Carrillo's new piece about the frightening impact COVID is having on previously healthy athletes who are still coping with symptoms months after contracting the disease, a group known as Long Haulers. And joining me for today's podcast to talk about her story, award-winning broadcaster, you've seen her at the Olympics and the Grand Slam of tennis. She serves as the unofficial tennis coach to much of our Real Sports staff, and she's now the first ever guest on the Real Sports podcast, the one and only Mary Carrillo. Mary, welcome.
1: I am honored, Max, to be the first, and uh, I hope there are many more to come, and I hope there aren't that many stories like this one uh, in the near future.
0: Well, amen to that, as we'll hear shortly. It's uh, a daunting story, and it seems for months we've all heard Kind of general vague stories of lingering covid symptoms that people have had to deal with but as you dug into this did you have any idea as to the seriousness of this condition or did it come as a surprise
1: what came as a big surprise to me honestly max is that it it's been happening to young fit athletes i mean that's sort of the, the focus of the story and what What you come to realize when you hear about long COVID, or that's what they call in the UK, uh, COVID long haulers in this country, is that the temperament, the mentality of athletes is, you know, if you don't feel good, you know, tough it out, tough it out, you know, just work harder. And if you are an athlete that has long haulers, it's the last thing in the world you want to do because it just
0: makes things worse. All right, you'll now hear Mary's full report, and if you've already watched this month's Real Sports, stick around, feel free to skip ahead to when Mary and I will be back to talk about this new concept of long haulers and Mary's experience working on the story. But first, here is Mary Carrillo's Real Sports report.
1: Keep it up. This was Natalie Hakala a year ago, an elite collegiate runner training for the upcoming season. The picture of physical health. Good
0: girl? Good girl.
1: But these days, Hakala gets around by wheelchair, six months after being diagnosed with COVID, a disease that took hold of her back in July and never let go.
2: I always thought if I got it, that I'd be sick for two weeks. Everyone says it's like the flu. So like you feel horrible for two weeks and then, then you're fine.
1: Hakala caught the virus on what she thought was a safe camping trip with a few friends. She lost her sense of smell and rode out two weeks of piercing headaches and fevers at her home in Oregon. And then it was over, or so she thought.
2: I was like, oh, I must be fine. Like, my fever's broken. I can kind of smell things again. Perfect. I can go for a run. And I was so excited that I got to go for a run. And I made it, like, maybe 200 meters. I'm just, like, gasping for air.
1: And I was like, I cannot breathe. Things went downhill from there. Hakala began experiencing searing chest pains and was rushed to the hospital. But while doctors monitored her for three days, they couldn't figure out what was wrong or how to fix it. Hakala has not been able to run since. In fact, the star athlete now rarely even walks, instead using a wheelchair or a motorized cart. But mostly, she just sits here in her parents' house, This
2: is just kind of my little area.
1: And copes with her lingering symptoms, which she chronicles here in her journal. It's the same journal she once used to chart her progress on the track.
2: I saved all my hip numbers. This is my one from Nebraska, and I wrote about all the races I did, but it quickly turned into a symptom tracker. 8-11, I can't walk without shortness of breath. On September 3rd, I wrote, hard day, headache, showered inside on the ground for a very long time because I had a hard time breathing and I felt really dizzy and lightheaded.
1: Is there any part of you that you allow to think, you know, why the hell did this happen to me?
2: Yes, especially on the days when I'm in a lot of pain, because I just, on those days, I'm just laying on the couch and just almost kind of like a feeling of like I'm wallowing in self-pity, which is just sad. And hopefully I serve as a warning. I mean, they focus so heavily on the deaths but this can harm more than just two weeks or death. It seems like those are the two options, it's either two weeks or it's death. And I'm, a, I'm an in-betweener.
1: Natalie Hakala is one of a growing number of COVID patients becoming known as long haulers, those who didn't die from the virus, but also never fully recovered. Their bodies now crippled by a range of symptoms, including debilitating fatigue, difficulty breathing, brain fog, and vertigo. Many of the long haulers are athletes or were athletes, now robbed of their life's passion.
3: It's just, it's so difficult. It's so difficult for to see the level of frustration that individuals have with their symptoms, with their body holding them back. Dr. Emily
1: Brigham runs a clinic for long haulers at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. Can you give any of your patients a timetable as to when they will feel
3: better? <sighs> That's the toughest question, and it's even harder to answer for patients. I cannot, tell an individual patient when they will recover. That's not what they want to hear. No, it's not. It's not what I would want to hear. Have
1: you had to tell your patients that they may never feel as good as they used to feel?
3: Yeah, I say, you know, there's a, there's a chance that this may not go away.
1: In fact, doctors can say very little with certainty about long hauler syndrome. Nearly a year into the pandemic, Experts remain baffled as to why some COVID patients never get better, how to best treat them, and why, mysteriously, the majority of them appear to be women.
3: We're still trying to figure it out. And it's one of the most frustrating things for patients, but also for physicians. We're here because we want to help. And when we don't know what's going on, it's very hard to help.
4: I'm angry because... They, they have no clue what is happening. I just want hope. No one
1: can give me hope. Until recently, Nicole Knudsen had never known life without hockey. Growing up, she played the sport year-round, working on her wrist shot in the summers and skating around her backyard rink in the winters. I had dreams of playing in the NHL when I was really younger. <laughs> How old were you when you first picked up a hockey stick?
4: Five or six. My brother had played and my dad coached, and I'm like, watching the stands, I'm like, I have to do that.
1: Knudsen became an All-State player in high school and led her team to the Illinois State Championship.
4: It was by far the best experience ever. Holding that
1: trophy above my head, I would give anything to go back and do that again. Instead, Knudsen now spends her days not at the rink, but in doctor's offices being treated for crippling joints and neck pain, vomiting and fainting spells, a full six months after her diagnosis of COVID.
4: There's days where I just feel like I cannot do anything anymore.
1: Like I feel When she tried to work out one day in the preseason with her college hockey team, she found she couldn't even endure the warmups.
4: My heart rate would spike to 160, just barely doing anything. And I was like, what, like what, what's happening? Like, why is this so difficult for me? And I talked to the team doctor. She was saying how um, it's, it's not worth it to push my body to this kind of limit.
1: And the work ethos of an athlete is that you tough it out. You, yeah. You push through. And that's
4: what I wanted to do. I was like, let me push through, like, let me, it's okay if my heart rate gets up there. And they're like, no, it's, it's not okay, Nicole. And um, that was hard to hear.
1: Making matters worse, blood work and scans on Knudsen's body have failed to uncover any underlying health issues, leaving doctors vexed as to how to help her.
4: And I'm like, okay, like, they're going to find something. And no, nothing. I'm at to the point where I want something to show up, and I don't care. I just want to know that this is what is doing this to my body. And if I can help it, how can I? What can I do to make myself even feel a little bit better?
1: A little bit normal? Yeah. Just how many COVID patients will turn into long haulers is still unknown. But the syndrome could have troubling implications, not just for amateur athletes and weekend warriors, but for those hoping to make sports their career.
3: Clemson University says
0: 28 student athletes and staff members have tested positive for the coronavirus.
1: Over the past six months, hundreds of big-time college athletes, many of them aspiring professionals, have tested positive for COVID, after schools summoned their players together at the height of the pandemic. At some schools, nearly the entire football team was diagnosed with COVID.
3: I think not all of our players, but most of our players have caught it.
1: At others, the virus swept through the basketball team. 90% of our teams had it, so. um... For those young athletes, it may become no laughing matter they can already look to a cautionary tale. Oh, what a pretty move! A young pro athlete whose career could be over before it ever really began.
0: Asia Durr with the spin
1: move! Oh, over! Oh Last year, Asia Durr made her debut in the WNBA with dreams of a long future in the sport. Asia Durr. But today, her goals are more modest. There's days where
5: I feel great. Like, I could go out and go to the store or I could clean up. And then there's days where I'm like, I just have to stay in the bed. And it's just like, you
1: just feel like you get hit by, by a bus. You just said, some days I feel great. I can go to the store and clean. That's your idea of a great day now?
5: My life has completely changed since June 8th. Since the
1: day she was diagnosed with COVID, nearly eight months ago, Durr has been fighting a losing battle with the disease. I was back and forth seeing doctors,
5: hospitals, stuff like that. I couldn't breathe. I was spitting up blood. You, you you were spitting up blood? Yeah, you know, it was just lung pain that was just so severe. It felt like somebody took a long knife and was just stabbing you in your lungs each second. I woke up 2 o'clock in the morning vomiting, going back and forth to the bathroom. I couldn't keep anything down. How much weight have you lost?
1: I've lost 32 pounds. Durr was too sick to play for the Liberty at all this past season. And though she had a contract to play in France after that, the 23-year-old had to miss that season too. But perhaps worst of all, Durr has no idea when or if she'll ever heal. Uh, when was the last time you picked up a ball and tried to test your body after COVID? I haven't
5: I haven't been able to. It's really challenging for me, but I've I've talked to doctors and they've told me, you know, I'm not clear yet. I'm not clear to be able to do anything physically um which could cause flare-ups what they call it. And that's what's really hard for me because in life whenever something was ch- like hard, I would go and play. I can't even do that now. I can't even shoot a free throw. Does it make you
1: wonder if you're ever going to be able to play basketball?
5: Yeah, that that question has definitely crossed my mind plenty of times. And then that's when I, you know, give it to God.
3: There's a period of grief that you have to go through for what's happened to your body. And that grief takes time. It takes mourning. It takes acceptance. And hopefully, it's not acceptance that has to stay. We want to make you well again, but in some cases, we just we don't know what's going to happen.
2: The last few days, I've had a lot more uh, palpitations. My heart started pounding really, really fast, and I was just
1: for Natalie Hackala, the collegiate runner. The latest worry is the health of her heart. A recent MRI raised some concerns, so she's been sent to cardiac rehab. Once a week, alongside far older patients, many of whom are trying to recover from open heart surgery, Hakala works to recover from COVID.
2: I get stopped a lot by other patients of, oh, I get the, oh, you're so young. Um, they go, did you have surgery too? And I go, no, I did not.
1: Do you tell them, no, I had COVID?
2: I do, hmm They look at me like I'm a little weird sometimes, but it's okay, at least they know.
1: Hakala's rehab therapist won't allow her to run. She's only allowed to walk. Slowly. How much has Natalie advanced since she's been hooked up to your machines?
3: I think we started at, like, not even two miles per hour. So today we're up to 2.8, which I'd say an average person her age walking through a park with friends, their casual walking pace is 2.8, but we've worked her up to 2.8.
1: For a young woman used to moving in a hurry, it hardly feels like success. But for Hakala, becoming a COVID long hauler has required a full recalibration of both body and mind.
2: I have realized that I can't really put a time goal on it because I just get very disappointed when I don't reach it.
1: How much, Natalie, have your goals shifted? You used to want to change the school record. What are your goals now? To go for just a jog would be
2: really nice. I would love to be able to go for a run.
0: Welcome back. That was Mary Carrillo's new story on long haulers. Mary, I saw your discussion with Bryant the other day on the show, and you said working on this story really scared you. Why is that? I guess I was one of those people who thought
1: that I mean, I consider I'm I'm older than the the people we interviewed for this story, but my attitude was I'm I'm fit. I don't have any bad habits. I don't have any pre-existing conditions. Um, so if I were to get COVID, I'd be able to you know kick it off pretty quickly. And it turns out that so many of the people who get long haulers, not just athletes, so many of these people don't even have pre-existing conditions. I mean, normally you'd think all right. You get COVID and after about two weeks, it's out of your system. That's not the truth at all. And that is what really scared me, uh, learning that. you know, we, we talk to athletes who've had it as, for as long as eight months and there's no end in sight. And the scary part, Max, is that they go to all manner of doctors. They go to cardiologists, they go to pulmonologists, they go to rheumatologists, they get scans, they get MRIs. Nothing shows up that you can point to and say, all right, there's your problem. And that's what's so scary, you know, that you might not ever get back the health, the fitness that you enjoyed and just assume was going to kick back into your body.
0: You know, you touched on it a bit there. Is there is there a correlation between the severity of initial symptoms and the likelihood of a lingering condition? Or can someone with a very mild case of covid or what it appears to be a mild case become a long hauler as well?
1: Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, sometimes it's and it's interesting um sometimes people they they might have they might feel crummy, you know, they're maybe their stomach feels lousy for a couple of weeks or they have headaches or they lose their sense of taste and smell. That happens quite often if it if the virus is really affecting your head. Um and then slowly maybe they'll get their sense of smell back, but not their sense of taste and that's that's about as bad as it gets. And then everything else can happen because your autoimmune system, I guess, starts fighting its own body uh, to a degree that's awful. And two of the three athletes that we spoke to for this story said that when they tell people you know, they what their symptoms are, they said, oh, my God, not, not having the ability to taste or smell, that must be the worst part. <laughs> and they said, oh, no, that's, that's the easiest part. I, that's, it's everything else that's so much worse as a long hauler, so much worse. Keep in mind, the, the athletes we spoke to for this story all have access to doctors. They all have access to rehab. How many people, men and women, are going to be suffering from long haulers who don't have access to that? And who don't even want to tell their bosses that they feel lousy because they don't want to get fired. They don't want to get laid off. I mean, think about how big a problem this really can be, right?
0: Right. As your piece references, there's a whole new industry popping up of specialized care for long haulers, but that treatment ain't free, right? So for the people you spoke to, the athletes you met, what type of financial costs are they facing?
1: Well, Asia Durr, the WNBA player, the 23-year-old who missed all of last season, and it, it this didn't make the story, but I want to say that she was really hoping to, to play in the in the Summer Olympics. She was hoping to go to Tokyo last year. And she still got it in her head that maybe she could go. She is covered by the WNBA. She's got insurance. The other two I've spoken to were able to, they had good insurance. Um, so they're lucky in those ways. Natalie Hakala, the runner, the 800 runner, her mom is a nurse. So And her mom was diagnosing things because she was seeing that her kid was just a shadow of what she'd been. So she was able to say to doctors, why don't you look here? Why don't you look there? But again, most people don't have that. They just don't. And I mean, but you're right. It's becoming better known. It's becoming uh, a better recognized problem. There are 40, uh, they call it long COVID in the UK. There are 40 clinics in the UK already. Uh, In this country, the woman we spoke to, Dr. Brigham, she works for Johns Hopkins. There's also Mount Sinai. Uh, University of Pennsylvania has a long haulers clinic, George Washington University, Northwestern. And Bryant asked me an interesting question, and it's one that all three of these athletes had to face. Ah, it's in your head. You look fine. That's what they're, (laughs) you look fine. This This is, you know, Bryant wondered if it was psychosomatic it ain't psychosomatic. This is very, very physical. But of course, the toll it takes on on these people, and especially, again, the heart of an athlete, the whole idea is, all right, I'm, I'm going to beat this thing. Toughen up. I'm yeah. going to toughen up. And, and what has happened is when they just try to go for a light run, it sets them back two or three days. They can't get out of
0: bed. And even the notion that it would be in their heads and it would be psychosomatic mm. might be somewhat motivated by the fact that there's so much we still don't know, right? So I'm curious for you as a reporter, is it frustrating to tackle a subject like this for which there are so many more questions than clear answers?
1: I want You can imagine how these athletes feel if I'm demanding answers that aren't available. (laughs) And, you know, I think, I hope that people don't watch this story and say, well, uh, the majority of people who are long haulers are women you know, women aren't as tough as they need to be. Women aren't as tough as men. That galls me.
0: What do you make of this mysterious pathology where it seems more women are being plagued as long haulers?
1: That Dr. Brigham, I I asked her uh, a couple of different times, you know, why would that be? And again, these doctors are hesitant to give, even to give theories about it, but she said it could be hormonal. It could be, it could be that, you know, a woman's hormonal system reacts differently to this virus than men's. Um, And it also could be that men are much more reluctant to report uh, their symptoms and their problems after they've gotten it. So it could be, it could be any number of things. And, uh, but it's tough. It's a, it's a tough thing. And, and there's still so much that's unknown, but what they have come to respect about the long hauler problem is that you have to go slowly. If you weren't a patient person before long haulers, you have to
0: be now. You mentioned Asia Durr, the Mm. WNBA player. I'm curious, when you sat down with her, did you worry she was going to hold some stuff back, not be entirely honest? I mean, after all, not only are athletes inclined to want to put on a brave face, but even if she recovers now, there might be this perception that she's damaged goods, right? Sadly.
1: Yeah. And Asia was wonderful. I mean, she was so candid and so honest and forthcoming, Max. And maybe, and and I think that was a bold thing for her to do. Um, But, and I have to quickly uh, tell you that every time of the three athletes I spoke to, I told them every time, if you get tired, let me know and we'll shut down for a while because just the act of speaking for a long time, can set them back. And Asia, I kept checking with her because her agent said, hey, she may need a rest after half an hour. And she went on longer. We were, get, we were supposed to get an hour with her. We got longer than that. Um, she was so gracious and kind. And if there's one thing that I wish we could have talked about more is what so many long haulers feel, which is brain fog. Now it's one thing to to have that as you get older. Right. But not being able to keep a thought in your head, you know, to to not like, I'll give you an example with Asia. She said she finally felt well enough to go to Kroger's to go food shopping. It's three blocks away from her house. She got in the car and couldn't remember whether to go left or right, and then couldn't remember where she was going and then couldn't even remember why she was in the car. Can you imagine? This is a 23-year-old who's having, again, what they're calling brain fog. And the other two athletes I spoke to had the same thing, where they can't even concentrate on a TV show, let alone read. You know, Uh, One of the athletes said the only thing she can read is something she read ages ago, the Harry Potter series. She read it as a kid. She's rereading it now because she knows what happens. So when she loses her way, She can pick it up again and say, oh, yeah, I I remember. We're back at Hogwarts. I mean, this is how scary this is.
0: For Asia's candor Mm -hmm. with you, do you suspect there are a lot of athletes in the shadows struggling with longer-term COVID symptoms and are keeping it to themselves, worried about the repercussions of their career or, you know, the idea of speaking out about this?
1: I wonder uh, about anybody who's got long haulers, but especially athletes. I mean, you don't want to let anyone know if you're, if you're weakened, if you're suffering. And uh, I, I talked about it a little bit with Bryant. Um, you know, if you're a high school athlete and you're trying to get a college scholarship or if you're a scholarship athlete and you want to go into the pros, I mean, you don't, or if you're a pro and you've got a big contract, I mean, I, I'll, I'll bet there are a lot of, we talked about how many teams have suffered from COVID. They don't want to lose their contracts, you know, this is how, you know, it's something like the NFL where the average career is only three three years. They don't want to pe- people to know that that they've been diminished in any way. So my guess is that it's happening to a lot more athletes than we know about.
0: Asia Durr, uh, Natalie Hakala, Nicole Knudsen these women you spoke with, do do you worry for them what the future holds, not just physical and if they'll regain their physical form, but the mental toll that this thing takes on them?
1: The mental toll, Max, and the emotional toll. I mean, these are people who, you know, if you're any kind of an athlete, you're sitting in a chair and you want to jump out of that chair and take off. I mean, that's just organic to who you are. Um, But I think uh, they talk about suffering from depression. They talk about uh, how hard it is that they can't even see their friends, you know, talk to people about it. They, like they're so isolated because of the pandemic anyway. Uh, they're away from their teams. You, uh, they're used to being part of something bigger than themselves. And a lot of their friends have had COVID as well and they get over it quickly. And again, they question, oh, how, bad, how bad can you really be hurting? I mean, I had it and I'm on your team and I'm good. I, I mean, some of them are doing a little better. Uh, Natalie Hackla is improving slowly. But these symptoms, I mean, ugh. for some, the brain fog doesn't happen until months later. Months later. That's scary. You know, you think you're getting better physically, and now all of a sudden you, you can't focus on anything. So it's, yes, I feel for them. Uh, I hope only for the best. And, again, they're getting treatment that a lot of, a lot of people aren't going to be able to get. And that's why, wear a mask, man. It's not a task, wear a mask, social distance, You know, be smart about all of this, because this stuff is scary.
0: One last question, Mary, given what you found working on this story, do you think it's responsible for leagues to carry on as they have, uh, in some cases, kind of shrugging off the notion that such a large portion of their rosters or their players would contract the disease? it scares the hell out of me. <laughs> it, really,
1: it, it really does. I, I, I look at, I mean, we have learned that bubbles can work. We learned about that in the WNBA and the NBA. Uh, we know that if you take precautions that can work, but the idea that especially college athletes, the ones who aren't getting paid and that they are putting their physical health in such jeopardy, that is really, that's hard for me to take. It's hard for me to to look at that and say, ah, they'll be okay because after after working on this story, I know that they may not be okay at all. This could be a really bad thing. So the answer to it is uh, it scares me. I don't think a lot of people understand how dangerous COVID could be even to a young fit athlete. And maybe this story will help get that word out.
0: Well, Mary, thanks so much for coming on to talk about it. And a quick reminder to everyone listening, you can watch this and other recent episodes of Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel on HBO Max, and that'll do it for today's Real Sports podcast. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next time.